Hey, Sober Stories crew. Thanks for tuning into another episode of our show. I can't tell you how much it is meant to bring Sober Stories into the world and have it received with so much warmth and enthusiasm. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened, shared, said a nice word about Sober Stories. It really has meant so much to us. I've got a really exciting conversation for you today. I had the opportunity to interview Jyoti Chand of Mama Jotes and the Sober Daisy. Jyoti is your cool mom friend. Her mission is to make you smile and love yourself through humor and talking about tough, stigmatized topics. Her goal is to spread knowledge, kindness, and mostly laughs. On top of sharing daily motherhood, she uses her background in stand-up comedy to spread laughter through funny videos of her husband, her kids, and other characters. I'm not joking when I say that her reels are some of the funniest on Instagram and TikTok. She also uses the Sober Daisy as a platform to reach other South Asian women who are sober curious or sober, creating representation in what is, unfortunately, an overwhelmingly white space. Jyoti and I could have talked for hours. She kept me laughing, which you'll hear in the interview. But we dug into some really great topics, especially talking about parenthood and sobriety and what it has been like to add more color to the sober space. After you give today's episode a listen, tag at Mama Jotes and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Here we go. Welcome to Sober Stories, a podcast dedicated to the power and change that can come from really, really great storytelling. We believe that stories are a massively transformational medium. When we can see ourselves in someone's story, when we share our own story, that's when the magic happens. Here, we tell stories of folks all across the sober spectrum with hope, honesty, inspiration, and probably a few sparkling water jokes. I'm your host, Beth Bowen, and it's a huge honor to be Chief Story Steward around here. With our guests, we pull back the curtain on the good, the bad, and sometimes the downright ugly of what it looks like to ditch the booze, changing the world one podcast episode at a time. Y'all ready? All right, Sober Stories family, I would love to give the listeners a cliff note of Jyoti. Tell us the story of you, who you are, where you live, what you do, uh, and then kind of any of the relevant high notes. Okay, I am Jyoti Chand, also known as Mama Jotes in the Instagram world. I am a content creator and an author, uh, a full-time stay-at-home mom, and I feel like I can't use that one anymore, though, because <laughs> like... I'm home with them, but they are starting preschool soon and it's going to be a whole new world for us in just like a couple weeks here. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm in, did I say I'm based in Chicago? I'm based in Chicago. Okay. I'm born and raised in LA and yeah, I'm not a winter person. Um, and I am But you sober. live in Chicago. <laughs> No, no, I'm moving. I'm not, I can't do it. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. Um, I am, yeah, and I'm sober. I'm sober from January 3rd, 2021, which mm. is really exciting. Over one year, never yes. thought that was possible. And it is, and it's changed my life. And it, yeah. it is all correlated. My life has changed so much since January of 2021. Mm. My career has fully taken off. I finished writing my book that I've been trying to write forever. I got a lit agent. I got a publishing house. I um, grew my audience times like exponentially. And um, it's just been truly living a dream here. It's so Doing dream. all the things. <laughs> yeah. Doing all the things now that you have gotten, you've, you've removed this from your life. So you mentioned you had couple of kids that are about to be in preschool. I have a three and a six-year-old. So I think you might be my first also parent that I've interviewed on this podcast. And it is a whole different world being a sober parent, being in like especially that early age with those kids when they're so adorable, but also so much work. <laughs> and it's just a lot. So much. Once. 
a lot of noise, yeah. a lot of stuff. So I definitely want to get into that in a little bit. But give us a little bit more of a background about you and alcohol. What did that look like? What was your experience removing it from your life and kind of how it all began? Yeah, so I never really had like a positive relationship with alcohol. I think I started drinking really early in life. Um, I think I had my first like Smirnoff situation at 14. And then 15, I had my first hard alcohol situation Mm -hmm. already. And it kind of just was a downward spiral from there. I had a lot of alcohol induced Mm -hmm. trauma in my teen years and in my adolescent years, a lot of blacking out, a lot of partying, binge drinking, but it was also kind of seen as the norm in college. Like, It wasn't very like – it wasn't like anybody was like, oh, my God, you have a problem. You, like, can't Mm -hmm. walk home after you drink alcohol. We have to carry you. It was funny. It was fun. I was fun. I was fun, you know? And, like, (laughs) I fit in. I fit in. And that was a really big reason for alcohol for me was to fit in. Mm -hmm. I never really felt like I fit in in high school. I was very, like, nerdy, big backpack kind of girl, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Indian family in a very non-Indian town. And Mm – Finally got in with this, you know, in college, got this Indian crowd and fit in. Everyone Mm -hmm. was doing it. So Um, then college ended and I was still drinking like I was in college, which is super fun. (laughs) So party, 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 you know, drank, drank, drank. A lot of just like bad decision making, all Mm -hmm. blame it on the alcohol. Um, a lot of I mean, like, they have like whole stuff. songs about that. Yeah. <laughs> Blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. Yeah. So like, um, honestly, it was looking back, it was a hot mess. Okay. It was a hot mess. And there was a lot of stuff I just wasn't dealing with. And in that time, mm. like I had anxiety, I had depression, I had mm. terrible relationships. Um, and just my relationship with alcohol in general just got worse. And then when I finally met my husband and moved Things got a little bit better with my relationship, but I realized that I, and it took me years to realize this, but I would turn to alcohol in times of high emotion or low emotion. Mm. And it was never just like to enjoy a drink. It was to get drunk. And I think that's where it really like started standing out to me um, in motherhood. And Mm. motherhood was the turning point. Um, It just kind of like, there's some major regrets I have. And one of them is drinking while breastfeeding. Every mm. doctor told me that it was okay. Um, but I look back and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why did I feel the need? Like the first thing I did after I had a baby was like drink alcohol. Like mm-hmm. why was that it? Like I had to wait nine months. Like it was like itching. So yeah. the first time I tried to quit alcohol was 2019. Mm-hmm. It only stuck for a month. I was really proud of myself. And I was like, I guess if I could quit for a month, Nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I cannot drink for a month. I'm fine. But right when I went back to it, it was back to like that daily glass of wine, that like Mm -hmm. nightcap, that um, going out and over drinking and feeling like crap, making poor decisions, not being like having a watchful eye on my kids. Like luckily my husband doesn't drink alcohol. And so he was like always like the parent. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then – Again, 2020, like I thought about it, never dived in because it seemed too difficult to quit alcohol and it seemed stupid to do so. In 2020, especially. I was like, why would I quit? But 2020 accentuated my drinking. Going into pandemic, I was alone and drinking. And I think that's when it just like hit. Like Mm. I felt like crap. My anxiety was high. I was not sleeping well. I was lashing out. Like it was just not the person I wanted to be. 
And so I went into dry January with the intention of trying it out to see how it would feel at the end of dry January. Let's do another month of cleansing. And after I saw like how I felt, I think it just was like personal growth as well. Um, from 2019 to 2021, there's just a lot that like personal growth that happened during quarantine. I was just like, I can never drink again. Mm. I don't like who I am under the influence of alcohol. I don't like the kind of parent I am. And I don't like the wife that I, I just don't like myself when I'm drinking. And I think that I've learned to love myself so much that I'm not even going to allow myself to like go there. Mm. You know? And tell me more about what you experienced on the other side of it. Okay. So clarity is like the first thing I will say. So I read, um, so January 3rd, I, so January 2nd, I started reading Holly's book. It took me one day into Holly's book, quit like a woman. If you haven't read it, it's like very, very good. Took me one day into it to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. Then I finished it and I was like, mind blown. All these different (laughs) plants. Obviously, we've heard it before, but when you hear it in a two-day period, all of it at once, you're just like, oh my gosh, like, what am Mm -hmm. I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there was so many, it was first the reason was, oh, to detox. Then there were so many other underlying reasons why we, you know, why I was like, I don't need to drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, So afterwards, I was sleeping better. Mm-hmm. My skin was better. My wedding ring is loose because yeah. <laughs> I don't have I don't have any bloated fingers. Yeah. I will say that my bloat has gone down dramatically after quitting alcohol. Um my focus, I had started a morning routine. I wake up and I write. I wrote a book. Like yeah. I literally wrote a book. <laughs> no big deal. Just in wrote three a whole months. Book. <laughs> yeah. Just wrote a book. Got a book deal. No big deal. I My creative brain is so mm. much better sober. I feel yeah. like it goes so much further. I'm more sober productive. Sober productivity is real. Mm-hmm. I'm very productive um, and because I have all this time now. I feel like I have so much time that I was able to gain back because I'm not spending it with a glass of wine and then like getting yeah. too tipsy to do anything productive. Mm. Um, do I relax? Um, yes, I still relax. I still <laughs> chill. But it looks different now. You know, it's reading a book, taking a bath, watching my favorite show. Um yeah, so the aftermath of it and the at the best part, the best part of sobriety is being a conscious parent. Mm. Like I have been 100% conscious for my children and to the point where I've like questioned decisions that I made before as a parent where like, you know, you have friends come over and you get like drunk off of like your, you know, four glasses of wine, your glasses mm-hmm. of wine. I say that yeah. because you fill the glass up to the yeah. top. Yeah, it's really like a um, bottle and a half. Yeah. A bottle and a half of wine. And what if, like my my brain now goes, yeah. what if something had happened in the middle of yeah. the night back then and mm. I couldn't drive or I didn't wake up, you know? And it's like, there's a lot of like little regrets, um, but I'm just also grateful that like I got to this point, you know? Mm. Well, I'm like over here scribbling down so many things because you and I talked before we started recording this, but I have not spoken with a lot of parents in this this space yet on Super Stories. And so much of what you said really resonated with me and my own experience of young children, of parenthood, of breastfeeding, like you say. And it's so interesting when you step outside of it and you start to have those what ifs or thank God 
there wasn't an emergency in the middle of the night? Or how crazy it is, is it that we are like doing the math on how much we've had to drink and how long and if we need to pump and dump. And then we lose this breast milk, which is like a precious commodity. If anybody's ever nursed a baby, you know that like you do cry over spilt milk. And we have this experience that we are just completely sacrificing in the name of of drinking whatever substance our drink of choice is. And, and it really becomes the focal point of the experience versus, I mean, Early parenthood, especially with babies, is already hard enough, and and we make this so much harder. But one of the things that really stuck out to me when you were talking was this idea of like you just had difficulty liking yourself. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, a lot of people go into this without a quote unquote quintessential rock bottom. They don't necessarily have this big, bad, ugly experience that is their come to Jesus moment where they say, okay, I have to quit drinking. Instead, it's all of like these little cuts or these these small experiences or kind of a lifetime of just feeling ill, feeling unwell, but also, you know, the mental health component that that is wrapped into this. And for myself, I had a very similar experience. My rock bottom was telling myself in the middle of the night one night that I hated myself. And I had just lost so much of my own self-worth through the complete – through the continued use of this substance, through the continued disappointment in myself where I just, like you said, would drink a glass of wine or two glasses of wine every night and then just couldn't keep any promises to myself. But the other piece that I really loved that you said is like your creative brain and this productivity brain. So tell us more about what it has been like as a creative, as somebody who creates content, writes writes words, has a very public platform, what your experience has been like in the shift from before you were drinking to now? Okay. I mean, it's like night and day. I was first, the first thing that went up is consistency. I was consistent before, but, um, and it was doing, I was consistent in this term of showing up, but I think I showed up in a different way. And I think um, I wasn't fully always coming as like my full self. Like there wasn't Mm -hmm. that confidence there that there is now. I think I got more confidence, confident with sobriety because I don't need, I'm not dependent on alcohol to like, make me less myself. Mm. I'm like, all right, this is me. This is who I am. I'm going out like this. This is it. Um, Creative wise, like obviously the productivity went up. So I'm having a lot more ideas rushing through. I'm never like, you know, out of my mind in any way that like, Mm. you know what I'm saying? Like there's just, I have a clear head. I have a clear head and that clear head is consistently clear. You know, they say that like, Okay, this is like side piece, but like in when if you do like a lot of like moon magic or like mm-hmm. spell magic and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, if you had had alcohol within 72 hours, your third mm. eye is not clear. And yeah. so there's become there's been a lot of clarity in that mm. aspect spiritually um as, as as being sober like and not drinking the substance and not having a dependency on the substance. Mm. Um so I feel like everything is elevated. Like even Mm -hmm. my spirituality and my manifestation and like everything I put forth into that has become so much more powerful and Mm. um, which leads to a lot more success. I know that's like so woo-woo for some people to hear, but like it's just who I am. 
Okay. That is also who I am too. So there's there's no uh, no problem with that conversation. And I would love to dig into that. And you know, the reason I asked about the creativity is because I think there's this misconception or like historical understanding of creatives, of artists, of writers, of people who create, who are creative as like a lot of them have substance issues. Like if you look historically, so many of them have mental health issues, they have substance issues, but there's this kind of idea of linking like the the loss of inhibitions through substance use with unlocking creativity and unlocking your creative brain. And we have this perception, but then I see on the other side, I see the complete opposite of that. I see so many people rediscover their creative brain or – discover for the first time that they are actually creative. And and I believe – I'm of the belief that everybody is an inherently creative person. But there are so many people that I will agree. say like, oh, oh, no, I'm not creative. But when we remove this substance, it suddenly unlocks so much brain potential <laughs> and so much of our – you know, we have our left brain and our right brain and so many different juices start flowing when we are finally not – putting a nervous system depressant into our system. So go figure. Surprise, surprise there. But I would love to talk more about your spirituality and and kind of that woo-woo stuff that you mentioned and and what that has looked like for you since you quit drinking, since you brought it up. Yeah. I Since I brought it up. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. You you can just see all the spirituality on me. I got like third eyes all over me. (laughs) Little evil eyes, I mean, Mm -hmm. and then like, you know, everywhere. Um, So I – I love moon magic. It's something I've been Mm. so um, passionate about from my mid-20s and manifesting and all of that. And I feel like there is just a clearer path for me. It was a little more jumbled before. Um, You know, I would do certain things and sometimes I would have a glass of wine and do my moon magic and nothing was as clear as it is now. And, you know, I learned that from, you know, that you're literally – you're fogging your brain up when you're using a substance. And so you're not going to have that same ability to like manifest or even do It's like, I'm trying to think, I know people think this is so woo woo, but like do magic. There's literally, you can do magic people. I'm telling you it's real. It's real. Well, and, and what you said earlier, (laughs) I think, I think, no, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And what you said earlier about the power that comes from removing alcohol, I also completely ascribe to, I think that, you know, we always have this narrative of like I and and I say this to somebody who is not personally aligned with the twelve steps, but there's this this thought of we are powerless over alcohol. But it's yeah. it's my opinion that we are really powerful for having decided to change our relationship with the substance or even undertaken the uh, big heavy lift that is changing our relationship with this substance and the power and like the magnetism and the just like energetics that come with that experience. Yeah. Really power to say no. Yeah. And, and I think that it's counterculture. It is something that is is not, it's not the norm. And all of this really has this ripple effect. And and I was so curious to ask you this because I, prior to, to getting sober, didn't really consider myself spiritual or religious or anything like that and have found my own iteration of that as well. And I think that there's just something to be said about really connecting to your intuition and really connecting to kind of like all of these bigger moving parts at the same time with all of this clarity, without numbing it out, without having – Yeah. And what's so crazy is like my intuition and my inner gut was telling me I was led – I was supposed to be sober. Um, I have – 
literally once I got a new Kindle recently and I had an old Kindle a long time ago in 2015. And so when I downloaded my Kindle, all Mm. these books downloaded on there and it was all sobriety books. And I don't even remember diving into sobriety in 2015, but I had, and it's like my mind had been telling me to go there so many times. And my intuition Mm. was like, crying to the Mm. point where I finally, when I finally did it and I was finally able to hold it, like I just, I, I've never felt more confident than anything than saying that I will never drink alcohol Mm. again in my life. Mm. So, well, and isn't that so interesting talking about 2015 and and what you said too, that you had a month before your, your present sobriety. And I think that's really important for people to hear because when they see somebody like you or somebody in the sober space celebrate, say a year of sobriety, what they don't see behind that is all of the day ones. They don't see the fact that you were reading Quitlet in 2015, seven years ago. They don't see that you had a month last year and then started again or however long ago. Math's hard. Yeah. But but this <laughs> idea of how long it takes our brains to really chew on this idea of, okay, maybe I actually can live without this. So tell us a little bit more about – like that longer process, kind of that longer timeline for you before you were ever fully, fully sober. Yeah. I feel like how many times have we gotten like wasted or how many times have I gotten wasted and then waking up the next day and go, I'm never drinking again Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. have anxiety, hangover anxiety for like weeks Mm -hmm. on end, sometimes even longer. Like I've had, like I said, alcohol induced trauma, things that like you totally regret doing while drunk, like will follow you for so long and you just drink to numb it. Like you just like keep going in this like vicious cycle. Um, So I think I started – exploring sobriety pretty mid-20s, I would say, Mm -hmm. in the sense of like quit lit and just like hearing about it and then like started following some accounts. But I was that kind of person who would like follow it, want to do it, couldn't do it, and then would unfollow it and be like, they suck. Yeah. No, literally I did that so many times. (laughs) I did that so many times. Like I would literally be like, oh my God, this person's amazing that they're able to do this. And then I'd be like, you're so judgy, you little bitch, you suck. Um, You know what I'm saying? Because it was so – I was internalizing their sobriety so hard that, like, Mm -hmm. I was offended that, like, they thought taking wine to the park was not okay. Like, how could that not be okay? Like, I do it all the time. Like, I take wine kayaking, like, whatever. Um, So I think it took me a while to realize that I was inviting alcohol into every aspect of my life, including Mm -hmm. parenthood. Mm -hmm. And it was everywhere. And I couldn't live – I couldn't sell it, even though it wasn't to the extent of like getting wasted at the park. Like, how come I couldn't just like have a play date without champagne mm, or like a well, brunch without a mimosa? Yeah. Inviting alcohol into everything, I think, is uh, that phrase really resonates with me and really sticks out to me and speaks to just how culturally conditioned we are to to invite it everywhere, to have it be a part of everything. And even what is socially acceptable for us to have alcohol at now is different than it was a decade ago. I remember yeah. the first time I started seeing it like pop up at baby showers and stuff. And I know. and we don't realize just how insidious it is. And even if it's like you said, we're not, we're not getting drunk and wasted every time, but we also don't know how to be without it. And we also don't know how to socialize without it or celebrate without it or mourn without it. And it just becomes so habitual. And I'm curious. But it's a drug. It's literally an accepted drug. It's like the one drug people are like, 
what? You don't do this drug? What's wrong with you? Why don't you do drugs with us? And I was that person. I was the person who was like, why don't you drink? What's wrong with you? Like, and so I 100% empathize with the people who say that about me because I'm like, I get it. I know where you're at right now. Yeah. Well, it's our our own choices to be sober are such a mirror for other people's own relationships with alcohol. And it's exactly what you said about following and unfollowing the sober accounts of we 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 see it and we feel like we can access it. And then when we decide not to access it, then our internal like denial, self-protection, all of these pieces is like, well, that's a crazy thing that they're doing. How dare they do that? And <laughs> I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people can really relate to this idea of like that is I, I can't even touch that because part of it hurts my spirit in a little bit to touch that. It, it My defense mechanisms are up. My doubt is up. And then we start questioning whether or not we're able to do it. But one of the things I want to talk about is in addition to Mama Jotes, you also run the Sober Desi, which is an yeah. Instagram account for women at the Desi diaspora. So I would love to know a kind of your experience within your your own culture and, and what you see yeah. in the Desi culture specifically for women and just any thoughts you have on that in relation to alcohol. Yeah. So I think that like culturally, we don't talk about a lot of taboo or stigma topics. Um, we haven't at least in generations prior. So now like I didn't even know – I put myself out there as a sober Desi early on, um, not even knowing if there was going to be other Desis that mm. like felt this way. This like cultural, like this like society, the societal pressure to like fit in and drink alcohol and do all these things. Um, And so when I finally did, um, and I I have to be like transparent, I haven't been as active on there as I wanted to be in the last month or so, just because of all the travel and trying to keep up with Mama Jote's side. But we're, you know, we're still there. It's just, you know, there's going to definitely be a lot more happening on that page. Because I have received so much good feedback from the community about like, we needed this. This is what we needed. Mm. Yes, like women, um, you know, some people have asked like, oh my God, we need a male account. We need more for men on here. Like there's a lot of men going through this or like women telling me, thank you for helping me become sober or just showing Mm. that it was okay for someone who looks like me to feel like they have um, a problem with alcohol. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it's not this like, it's not all of this rock bottom you know, situation that we see in the media, like there's a lot more ways that addiction looks that everyone's addiction looks so different. And to call it that like a year ago, I couldn't even call it that. I couldn't even say I had a problem. I was like, I'm just choosing to be sober. But looking Mm. back now, like I have a, I had a problem with alcohol. Like I wasn't able to, I didn't have a good relationship with it. I was dependent on it. And there's other people in my community that feel the same way that didn't Mm. feel like they could even like explore this realm of sobriety or feel so confident with it at least like even if they Mm. were exploring it there wasn't that confidence behind it what they were doing the right thing or the right thing for them because there just wasn't anyone else who looks like them that was talking about it and so now there's like several of us you know sober thisies Mm. and there's like people like I don't drink I've never drank and then there's people who's like I stopped drinking because it wasn't good for me and there's people who like I have an addiction and I don't want to even go there Mm. and so it's just nice to hear people just saying their own reasoning and their own experience with it without well, feeling you like said, they're going to be judged. Well, and what you said about seeing somebody who looks like you, I think that that's the heart of it. Being able to see your own lived experience reflected in somebody else and see them living in a way that feels like it's more aligned with 
what you desire to do. And I, and, and truly that's, you know, one of the ethoses of, of what we're doing here is telling stories, telling different stories, telling diverse stories so that somebody can listen to this and hear themselves in your story and my story and somebody else's story. Because unless we can see the possibility of it, it makes it really hard for our brains to wrap our heads around the idea of like, oh, maybe I could do this really counterculture thing, or maybe I could do this thing that is objectively pretty hard to do. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that I find so powerful about the the account you run and the community that y'all are building over there. And and I know Nikita Meta as well. And in this space that y'all hold for I love people. her. I do too. Nikita, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> Can we just give my- like a shout out to Nikita? Yeah. <laughs> so I hope she's listening to this. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. But, but the space y'all hold for people who – and I will say as somebody in the sober community, the sober community is objectively very white and that there is not a lot of good representation in the community and the space that y'all create to be able to hold space, to show that this is possible, to talk about this thing that's otherwise pretty difficult to talk about or stigmatized or that the the Daisy community doesn't normally talk about, I think talk it's about, really, really yeah. powerful. Yeah. So so what has been your experience being somebody who talks about these things, being somebody who talks about stigma and addiction inside of, yeah. of the DC culture? Well, so I'm married to mental health. So that's already like a big thing. Okay. I'm married to I love, mental health I love professional. That. Okay. And um, both of us strongly, you know, believe in mental health is health and it should be mm. taken care of appropriately yeah. just as your physical health. Um, so generally it depends on the generations. I will say that the older generation is kind of like, if you're going to do it, just do it quietly. Like, why are you so loud mm. and proud about, you know, kind of that vibe? Um, other than my parents, my parents are mm. super proud of me. Like they're like, so my dad's never drank a drop of alcohol in his entire life. And my mom has like, cut out most alcohol at this point too. And I feel like some of that is my own inspiration for her. She was never Mm -hmm. a heavy drinker in the first place. But my parents are really proud because they're like, you're going to have an impact. So they believe in using your voice to make an impact. Um, I would say that others in the generation, maybe not so much. They're just Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, you're just kind of loud about it. Like, okay. (laughs) But then she turned turned the volume down a little bit. The volume down, girl. Um, My generation is – it's a very big split, I will hmm. say. Um, there are a lot of people who are like, hey, I kind of like what you're doing. I'm inspired by it. I kind of want to explore this a little bit. And I love that you're doing this. And then there's people who feel very, very judged and very um, okay. like, yeah, that's you, girl. Like you do you kind hmm. of vibe. Um, but honestly, I think you learn in this field and as an influencer, as someone with a voice that like you can't listen to the noise. You just got to keep sharing your truth because even if one to two people come back and they're like, hey, thank you so much. Like your story really helped me go sober. You've done your job. And that's why I choose to share is because I've Mm -hmm. sat in that other chair where I sat there feeling judged and internalizing other people's sobriety and feeling like making excuses for myself and being stuck in this vicious cycle of dependency. Mm -hmm. And if I saw one brown person at yeah. that time, maybe, just maybe it would have happened sooner. And it really mm. was Hitha, Hitha Palepu, who is a content creator. She's the one who recommended that book on January 2nd. Mm. And I bought it right away. Seeing her say, hey, I'm doing dry January inspired me because, oh, wow, like 
Hitha, someone I look up to, another South Asian woman, is talking about dry January and that she has a poor relationship with alcohol at that time. And she's straight, she's had, she has an amazing relationship with alcohol now. And um, I think that just that one spark yeah. of seeing that one brown person, it was a chain reaction. Hmm. Like, well, and, and talking about your mom too, being inspired by you, I think so much of what this is, is modeling for other people that it's possible because. Yeah. Again, when we are raised in in a larger, especially specifically American culture, not everybody listening to this is in America, but there's a heavy drinking culture here. And when this is what we see growing up, this is what we see every day, this is where we see out in the world, it's not even a door that's open to us. But then when somebody sees you on your Mama Joe's account talking about this or your mom and your family see you exploring this and, and all the good that's coming out from the other side, it, it's really interesting to watch the change in our relationships in real time and the, and the people who I still – to this day, I, I got a message from somebody I haven't talked to in probably – 15 years being and it's like a friend of my brother's like I don't even really know this person and yeah they're like hey I've been watching what you're doing and I wanted to tell you I don't drink anymore I'm like what yeah. mind blown that this person who I like didn't even know follows my Instagram account still who I haven't talked to in 15 years sees somebody else doing something differently and and you speak of Holly that was really my entryway into this was watching Holly when she was back doing hip sobriety long before her book even was written, but just seeing her do this in a way that I could see myself doing it in and and realizing like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can probably do it. But coming back to the Sober Daisy, that the, the specific visibility of that community and being able to show other women in your community like, we can do this. This is possible. Here's somebody who relates to you on a deeper level than a lot of people, and this is the way I do it. Yeah. Whenever so the yeah. – Go ahead. No, I was just saying how amazing it is that like there's so many people out there now sharing their stories. Um, and I, you know, I love how much color is being added to the sober world. And we had our own yeah. South Asian panel this year. Yes. I don't know if you saw that. So yeah. that was really cool. On Sober Voices? Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. that. That was amazing. And and I really appreciate what Sober Voices is doing specifically to really diversify the field and to elevate marginalized voices because, again, it's Pretty, pretty wide out there, and I will say that as, as a white woman. One of the things that I think is really interesting that as we are kind of on the cusp of changing this narrative around alcohol and who can and can't be a person who chooses to remove it from their lives is that there's still a lot of pushback. And, and I experienced this on, on my platform, but I know you posted recently about somebody saying that the way you share is, is harmful to somebody else who is an alcoholic or in alcoholism. Yeah. What has it been like for you sharing your non-traditional experience with being sober, removing alcohol? And I say non-traditional and like we've always done it one way and yeah. people are starting to do it another yeah. way. What has that experience been like for you? Honestly, I think it should be – I think it's been eye-opening to see how many different journeys people have and how many different levels of alcoholism and alcohol mm. use disorder there are, truly. And yeah, some people feel like I'm taking away from their experience because I'm sharing mine. But I always tell people, don't invalidate my experience because yeah. it doesn't match your own. My, my right. experience is still valid because that's what I'm on here to do. I'm on here to share my experience. Yes, do I bring on other voices to share theirs? Absolutely. But – 
everyone's experience looks different. And um, and, and in no ways is that meant to take away from anyone else's experience, right? Like just because I had a C-section giving birth and had a specific experience doesn't mean your vaginal birth wasn't any different, you know what I mean? Or wasn't like this, like it's, we all had a baby in the end. Right. And it's the same, it's it's the same, but it's different, you know? And that's what I'm like trying to bring out there. And I think it's so important because people think you have to hit rock bottom still. Like people think like, hey, I'm not drinking in the morning. I haven't lost my job. I'm not homeless. I haven't like given up my entire life for alcohol, so I'm fine. But like, Mm -hmm. what if, what if you can catch yourself before all that happens? Like, what if you can catch yourself before you hit rock bottom? Because I promise you, if I kept drinking due to like in the way that I was with my depression and my anxiety, like I'm on Zoloft. Like if Mm -hmm. I'm drinking, it literally says not to drink with that medication. Like if I kept drinking, like maybe I would have lost everything. But do I Mm want to live out, live to see that? Like I don't want to live to see that. And Mm -hmm. not everyone has the same support circle. Not everyone has a supportive spouse that, you know, is going to stand by them. Not everybody has parents who are going to be like, yeah, dude, loud and proud. Um, and I understand that. <laughs> and I fully understand that. And everyone's situation is completely different. And their reason for drinking is completely different. But my reasoning for being on there is to share my story because I know and I have learned from experiences last year, there are so many people sitting in the position that I was sitting in, in December of 2020. And that's that's who I'm trying to reach out to and whoever it inspires. And if it doesn't inspire you, well, okay. There's someone mm-hmm. else there that will. Um, yeah. And it's like, I think you learn on this um, in this world of influencing that um, I feel like such a dick when I say that. <laughs> I'm so too into it. I got you. Um, I feel like you lear- learn in this world that like you're not meant for everybody. Yeah. Like not everybody is going to like you. And that's okay. That's not well, my job. I think, with this, I, I think this idea of, of different stories and different ways of doing this. My my take on it is like a rising tide lifts all ships. When one person is healthier, then the collective is healthier. And if that person gets to it a different way than I do, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. And I think that we're starting to to get a shift in this narrative. And I love your C-section um, analogy because I also had two C-sections. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, that speaks to me, especially because there's, there's, that's a whole different a whole thing. whole other realm. Whole when people are like, did you there. have like a normal delivery? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you mean vaginal? Yeah. And they're like, oh, you didn't like, give birth. And I'm like, no, I still have two human children to show for it. So I think I did. Also, I had like, yeah, we could, we could talk about that. Forever. We could talk about that all day. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk more about specifically parenting and sobriety and what it looked like for you before you quit drinking and what it looks like now because I have my own – a lot of thoughts on that and I would love to hear yours. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, Well, like, you know, we'll go back to the breastfeeding and how it all started. Mm -hmm. It's like you're sober for nine months and then you're like, can I – you know, my question at the doctor is nothing baby related and it's like, hey, so can I – can I have alcohol while I breastfeed? Like how much can I have? Like so much thought process Mm -hmm. and like, um, you know, breast breast milk test strips for your alcohol. I mean for your breast milk to see how much alcohol is in there. Like what? Like Mm -hmm. investing in that, like spending $28 on that is insane. Um. And yeah, like, you know, I felt like such a badass drinking my wine and breastfeeding my baby. And I look back and I feel like an idiot sometimes, you know, Mm. and it's like, 
how hard would it have been just to not drink for five months just to give my baby the purest possible? You know, I'm over here like watching what I'm eating. Oh, yeah. like I want to eat the right foods for like the right breast milk. But yet, you know, um, I think that's one aspect. And the other was like carelessness. Um, I felt like a careless parent with those babies. Uh, and I'm mm. so happy that they're well. Um, I don't know, just the aspect of like letting them see me tipsy, not drunk per se, but like, oh, that's mommy's wine. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of that, you know, and play dates with champagne and mimosas, like I said, and um, every aspect of life having alcohol invited. And I'm so glad that they were so young. And mm. they don't remember any of that part of life because I think that if I continued doing that into their young life, I was just setting the example. Mm. And with addiction, like, you know, I just feel like, why would I set them up like that? Are they not going to drink? No, I'm almost sure yeah. they're going to drink. Like, they're going to go through their own waves. There's, I'm not, an, I'm not like, you know, I'm not naive. Like, I know yeah. my kids are going to like, do all the things. And I just hope that, and I'm not saying that alcohol is the worst thing in the world for them. I'm not going to tell them they're not allowed. I'm going to just share, just like I share with everybody else, my own experience with it when they're old enough. Like, hey, this is what I did. This is what happened with me. And I'd like you to be careful, but like, yeah. you're going to make your own mistakes, you know? Um, I think that it is healthy though for them to see that there aren't, there's no alcohol at their birthday parties. I'm not catering alcohol to like Karina's having her first birthday party in July. And normally I probably would have had a mamosa bar. Okay. Mm. I would have gone all out with the puns on that one, <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm having toast, non-alcoholic rosé available for the mm. adults. Like I'm having, um, it's a kid party. There's yeah. juice boxes and stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But we usually have booze with them, and and that's what's so yeah. wild. You step out of the matrix, and you're like, "What the fuck are we doing at yes. kids parties? Getting drunk? Why are there drunk adults in the bouncer? Get the drunk <laughs> adults out of the bouncer." You know, when you when you become yeah. sober, yeah. you look back at your childhood a little bit because you're sober in childhood, and there's yeah. so there's a big correlation between adult sobriety and childhood sobriety because. I remember watching my like uncles get like wasted at like weddings and just be like all weird on the dance floor. And you were always like weirded out by the drunk uncle, right? Like everyone yeah. was weirded out by the drunkle. And the drunkle. We're gonna, we're gonna call him the drunkle. And you know, there were several of those. And you know, it was never my own parents because I like my dad didn't drink. So I was always mm. weirded out by the drunkle. And now as like a grown adult who's sober, I'm again weirded out by the drunkles. Because now we're the I'm uncles still, and aunts. I know. I'm still laughing at like get the drunk adult out of the bounce house because that's it's <laughs> it's so true. It's killing me. That's so true. But you know, it, we just are we're so we're so used to it. We're so socialized for it. But one of the things that you said about just the being present or or otherwise not being present in their early childhood with alcohol really resonates with me. My my older son, Will, who's actually homesick on the other side of the couch over there, but he was two when I quit drinking. And early motherhood is really when my alcohol use escalated. And my younger son, Max, is three. So I've been sober since he's been around. I, oh I got sober God. before then. And it's really interesting to, to compare my experiences in motherhood with both of those. And it was really, really hard both times. Early motherhood's really hard. But the ability to be present and, and the time that comes to mind for me is always bedtime and thinking about all of the times that I rushed through bedtime 
with my older son to get back to my glass of wine, to finish the book early, to sing the song short, whatever it was. I was always my I could I could be I know heart. I know. And I I could be there, but my mind was elsewhere. Yeah, my mind was elsewhere. And and that almost it's like, yeah, you don't have to have rock bottom, but like that itself, but like the soul crushing aspect of that is is so real. But like Beth, everyone's rock bottom is so different. Like maybe that was yeah. yours. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's like that soul – your soul was crushed at that moment when mm. you realized that. And like, you know, that's like one reason. Like I don't really – we're not having a third baby. But like mm-hmm. one reason that like we did – one of the pros was like to experience motherhood fully mm. sober from the start. Mm. Like I, you know, I just think it's awesome that you got to experience that. Mm. Because yeah. a lot of women it's still don't. it's still hard though, man. I we oh we it's still we gonna, hard. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we thought actually. we were gonna have three. Yeah, we thought we were gonna have three and, and two, two, two is fine. Two's plenty. Two's fine. Two's yeah. plenty of children. Well, and and you were talking about you know I didn't have to have this rock bottom. Thank God I didn't have to lose everything. And 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 we have this very confused view of this. Are do you watch Euphoria? Yeah, I do. Okay. So I was watching it last night with my husband and Cassie and Lexi's mom. I told my husband, I was like, that's why I quit drinking because I would have turned into Cassie and Lexi's mom like a thousand percent. Like the mom who's like passed out on the couch, who like thinks she's cool at her kids' parties because she's drunk and letting them them drink. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think what you said about like my kids are going to make their own decisions. I know that. But also – they are growing up seeing somebody in their life who doesn't drink alcohol. And we've had conversations with my older son about dad drinks alcohol, mom doesn't. This is objectively what it is and what it does to your bodies. And some people choose to drink it and other people don't. And and totally realistic. Like my husband and I both have tattoos too. So I'm like, I'm 1000% sure my oh, yeah. are going to get tattoos. And like, I'm not going to be able to stop that. And I can't have a good reason, but I'll be like, mom and dad got tattoos in their thirties. So you have to wait too. But <laughs> just like, like I'm, I'm realistic about what my children are going to do. I was 18 when I got my tattoo. Okay. So I have like no leverage here. <laughs> and, and you know what? And, and I, I think that like, I'm really realistic about what my kids are going to grow up and do. And, and they're going to do all the things that every teenager does. And they're probably going to do the opposite of what I tell them to do anyway. But just the the fact that your kids and my kids have somebody in their life who just opts out and doesn't have this as part of their life, that the, the thing that's like going to stick in their brains for the rest of their life is like enough for me to yeah. continue doing this. And, and I didn't get sober for my kids. I got sober for myself. But right. staying sober for my kids is is one of the, the reasons that I do it. Oh, I love that. 100%. Mm. I, I I love that you're setting the you're setting the example of the life that you lived, uh, yeah. that you want to live that you think yeah. they should live. Um, yeah. yeah, beautiful. Okay, well, before we wrap up, the last question I always ask the guests on sober stories is: if okay. your story, you <laughs> and alcohol, were to be a book, what would it be titled, and what kind of book would it be? I think I would call it like a mother, mm. and um, literally focus in on like talking about like motherhood and sobriety because mm. that's been such a big part of it and the whole it's yeah. hard as hell you guys motherhood is hard yeah. as hell and it alcohol people think alcohol makes it easier but I am telling you it makes it harder like it makes it yes. so much harder and learning to 
deal with motherhood sober and not have to be like, oh, I just need a glass of wine or oh, I just need mm-hmm. a drink after this crazy day. Not letting my kids be a reason that I drink. Mm. Actually, and like you just said, being a reason that I don't drink. I don't know. Yeah. I just like the title. Yeah. Actually, I might make no, it I love like a it. show. Yeah, it's oh, like a mother. It makes me – there's like a like an – But I, I honestly have already started like writing my story, you know. Like I do see myself publishing a book about my sobriety mm. journey in the future and how it's like cultural and about yeah. the motherhood aspect and everything. Like I just feel like it's – like I said before, like seeing yourself, like seeing someone who looks like you tell their yeah. story – means so much. So as much as I respect Holly and I love hearing Holly's story, I want to hear a South Asian woman's story about sobriety because, and it's going to, you know, I'm willing to share that on my my own story and like make that a Mm. book one day. So beautiful. You heard it here first. Like a mother. Yeah. I'll let you take a break from the book you already just wrote, but (laughs) but I really look forward to reading this story. Yeah. Once (laughs) that's done. All right, Jyoti. Well, this has just been amazing. I relate to so much of what you said. And I really, really also respect the the space you hold for these Southeast Asian women and just the the heart with which you put into all your content. And we didn't talk about any of that, but like if you want some like relatable parenthood content, Yay. you need to go follow her page. But I know our people are going to want to connect with you to learn more about you and your story. So where can they find you? Do you have any projects in the works? Give us all the details. Okay. So you can find me on Mama Jotes, M-A-M-A-J-O-T-E-S. That is my handle on everything. Um, TikTok. <laughs> got got the TikTok. Got the Twitter. Got the YouTube. Instagram. That all fun, all that fun stuff. If you're local to Chicago, hit me up. DM me, you know, whenever. We'll for now, though. It. For now. Yeah, you said now. you're moving, right? <laughs> yeah, but not till 2025 or something like that. Okay. My husband's okay. like, you're just like planning stuff without me at this point. Um, yes. And then um, any projects? I have this book that I am uh, that I wrote. <laughs> just like whatever. But um, actually, the book has it's about mental health, and it actually has mm. a lot of um, alcohol in it. Awesome. Teen alcohol use in it. So. Um, that is with Harper Collins, and I don't have an exact publishing date yet because um, it just hasn't happened. But I will get that out <laughs> to you soon. Mostly Beautiful. on Instagram, you guys. Come to Instagram. Yeah. yeah, it's some good content over there on Instagram. And and I like dabble in the TikTok, so I'll go follow you over there too. <laughs> but this Yay! has just been so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. I really, truly believe that somebody's going to hear this who needs to hear this and see themselves in your own story. So Jyoti, thank you so much for joining us here on Sober Stories. And y'all go follow Jyoti and connect with her. Keep an eye out for her future book and like a mother whenever it comes out however long it takes from from now but i hope you have a beautiful rest of your day thank you so much for listening to sober stories with me beth bowen and our guest jyoti chand jyoti kept me laughing the entire conversation but also really hit home with the way she talked about motherhood and alcohol if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you took a second to rate and review Sober Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us tell more stories and reach more people one good review at a time. And if you had a big aha moment from today's show, we'd love it if you shared it with us on social media. You can find us at We Are Sober Stories on most platforms. Tag us so we can hear your biggest takeaways and you never know when we'll send a little thank you. Until next week, my friends. Bye.